listening to In the House with Jenny Woon and Tony Singh, your West Coast real estate agents, a personal and professional development podcast for the everyday working woman. Gain proven business building tools and actionable strategies to maximize profitability. Here's your host, Jenny and Tony. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to In The House Podcast. I'm Jenny Woon, and Tony is back with us next week. So in this episode, we had the pleasure of chatting with Lisa Hansen from Area 3 Design. They are a local interior design company based out of Richmond, BC. Their entire team at Area 3 Design is an absolute delight to collaborate with. I had the chance to work with Brenda specifically on two exciting multifamily projects in Vancouver. So I wanted to bring Lisa on because I've always been fascinated with space, with light and texture and to celebrate design, bringing in Lisa to be able to talk about what's trending and where to spend the money when you're doing your own project. Uh, She was a perfect fit for this conversation. She's not only 18 years into the business, the projects that she has worked on has received international recognition. We talk about the all-female dynamics on her team, as well as how she draws inspiration to be able to execute it in her projects. For those of you who are interested in getting to interior design as a career, she has some awesome tips on how to get into the design field as well. So let's get started and be inspired with Lisa Hansen. Good morning. Welcome to In the House podcast fans. I'm Jenny Woon and I'm joined here today with Lisa Hansen. How are you doing, Lisa? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming through to us. Um, Well, I'm really excited to have you here and chatting with you. Um, I find interior design the most exciting part of my job because I don't get to be involved in it day in and day out. And so when a developer, like a client developer, gets me involved and ask me to narrow down selection of colors and interior design and materials, I get just super excited about it because mm-hmm. I just find that like it's just fun. It's like a ki- I'm like a kid in a candy store. And especially when I went into your office in Richmond, um, I just felt like I was in heaven. Like there was like <laughs> lots of fabrics and colors. And, and so I wanted to know more about you and more about your company. Um, your company's name is Area 3 Design. And the philosophy behind the company. Yeah, just tell me a little bit about you. Let's introduce yourself to uh, the fans. So my name is Lisa, and I'm one of the uh, founders of Area 3 Design. I think the really unique thing about my company is I don't know of another firm locally or that many anywhere, actually, that have more than one or two principles. So we started with four principles. One just recently retired this year, but we have three principles. So it brings a lot of energy to the company, and we all bring sort of a different skill set and different backgrounds, which I think are a really big benefit to our clients. So mm-hmm. we kind of pair the people on the team based on sort of the demographic and the market and uh, the overall look and feel of the project. So I think it's a really cool thing to, to be able to say. Mm-hmm. For example, one of my uh, partners is an architect by background. Uh, another one of my partners studied construction technology first, which is very dry, but Boy comes. I actually took that course at BCIT. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, so did Brenda, one of my partners, who also met her husband there. So, um, awesome. yeah, it's great. So, um, those two partners of mine are super strong technically, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then myself and the other partner that left are more of the creative and conceptual people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of floundered and worked in art galleries and I studied fashion design before I went into interior design. Um, but I love what you're talking about. To me, the beginning of the project, that whole vision, 
working with marketing, working with the developer, working with graphics. It's my favorite part of the project. Right. So like you mentioned, most companies have two partners, Mm -hmm. two principals. What made you guys decide that four is kind of like a, a really healthy number? Well, the four of us worked at another firm for 10 to 15 years. Okay. All together, we worked in one little private office. We were like the four seniors at a at a pretty good size firm. And I think unfortunately in this industry you can only go so far and then you kind of hit a roadblock and we had been working for this company for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we always talked, let's do our own thing and you know, everyone talked about it but no one actually wanted to do anything. Mm-hmm. So one day I got a flyer in the mail which was for Langara College, and it was a course on the weekends. It was part of their business program, and it was how to write your business plan. So I went into the office the next day, and I said to the girls, I'm sick of us talking about this. Look at this. Either shut up or <laughs> let's let's go take this course and figure out, is it realistic? Can we make make a go of it? You know. And so we gave up our Saturdays, and we probably spent 20 to 30 hours a week after hours working on developing our concept and our business plan and it was the best thing we ever did. And so Amazing. within six months, we were on our own. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, so you guys bring in, there's four of you guys, four principals, mm-hmm. and one is retiring. Are you going to be replacing her? or are you No, kind of- I think we're going to stay with the, the three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because as it's great, and then there's also challenges. So obviously, the more people you have, the more opinions there are. Mm-hmm. Um also, economically, it's really a lot to draw four really, you know, four principles on one out like one company. So um, I think it, it was great to start with, but now I think the three of us will be able to manage on our own. We have some phenomenal staff, and I see a lot of potential in them and them moving up in the ranks. So, yeah. Amazing. So are they all female employees as well? We actually do have an all-female team. We have had over the last seven years a couple of guys but and it's not been intentional, but it's just never really clicked that well. I don't know if the poor guys like crazed with all these women. <laughs> None of them really seem to last. We always end up going back to an all female team. I don't know. And it's that's so okay. Funny. That's what we're all about yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. So it, it seems to work for us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Our industry is very much predominantly women anyway. Yeah. Do you know what the statistic is for that? Oh, I would say, I know when I was in design school, there was, I think one guy in my class, like it's really small. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is there any encouragement by the associations or interdesign association to encourage more guys to go into? Sure. For sure. I think though, you know, obviously a lot of the guys that that are interested tend to follow architecture. I find more Mm -hmm. than interior design. Um, yeah, I find, or they go into more other creative fields. I, there's a lot of great graphic designers that are male. Mm-hmm. Just for whatever reason, they don't. There doesn't seem to be a lot that go into interior design. Yeah, yeah. So, let's describe what what defines interior design because mm-hmm. it, there's just so many layers to that. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me specifically what your company, how it's involved in terms of all the different type of clients that you work with? So you have a residential division, you have a commercial division and yeah. hospitality. Yeah. So how what what type of work do you do for them? Sure. I might say one thing a lot of people get interior designers and interior decorators mixed up too. So that's a really big thing. Okay. I mean, anyone can say I have a knack for interior design. I can pick a paint color or whatever, and they can call themselves a decorator um, and open a business. But if you're an interior design firm, 
you know, you have liabilities. Uh, you have to be able to work with all the consultants, the architect, the structural mechanical, read the drawings, know the building codes, be able to do the drafting. So as great and creative as it is, I would say interior design is typically about 10, if you're lucky, 15% creative. The rest of it's very dry. It is a lot of coordination. It's a lot of, you know, working with other consultants and drawing. So mm -hmm. there's a really fun aspect to it. Um, and obviously, I think when you see your work come to life, it's like amazing. But we get a lot of kids that call us and say, hey, I'm really interested in interior design. And I say, come to my office, have coffee for two hours. You can see our drawings. You can see what we do. Like, I love this industry, but I think a lot of people take it and have a misconception of what it is. Okay. Like if someone was to follow your footsteps mm -hmm. versus an interior decorator, mm -hmm. what are those different steps look like? I don't think a decorator would be working with the other consultants. They're not going to be working on commercial projects. They're not going to be working on anything that has a structural or maybe mechanical, hard to say how much knowledge they have, but typically they're not trained mm -hmm. and they don't have the building code in particular background, they don't have um, just the knowledge of the drawings. Yeah, so, so it's very technical. It's very technical. And like I say, I will always admit that's not my strongest suit. That's why I love having my partners that both have like the construction and the architecture background. Because mm -hmm. if I'm ever unsure, I go, can you help me read this? Or am I reading this right? Or do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. It, it's great because that's not everybody's strength. And I find in my experience in watching a lot of the staff we hire and other people that have worked under me under the years, I find we all have a tendency. Very few people are 50-50. You're usually really strong creatively or really strong technically. Right. It's like the left brain, the right it brain. It is. Right? Yeah. And you need both to have a really great outcome. Absolutely. And so you're really strong on the creative side. Yeah. So what, what does that look like and, and how do you bring that to the table with the team? Um, I usually help a lot at the very beginning of the project when we're doing a lot of conceptual. So coming up with ideas for whether it's the common areas, a presentation center, um, one of my bigger clients is um, Hostling International. I've done quite a few hostels with them, which is a lot of fun. Awesome. I used to work uh, for a company that did hotel renovations. So more of the really kind of outside the box, a little more fun things. I love doing the sales centers yeah, and yeah. even the display homes. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of like telling that whole story and selling a dream or the lifestyle. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge <laughs> buyer's experience is walking into 100%. the sales center and that whole feeling of feeling at home um, and getting them comfortable to purchase yeah. with, with you. So, I mean, you've done, um, you're working on a couple of projects, your company mm -hmm. is, with with my company. Yeah. Um, I'm selling Shannon 18 yeah. and Brock House and yes. Brenda on the team of yours is working with our developers. So that's... Yeah. And, phenomenal relationship there. Um, but I've walked through Akimbo. I've walked through North 27. So you guys have done um, some fantastic work throughout mm. the Lower Mainland. Thank yeah. you. And you've been recognized through the House uh, Awards yes, since 2016. Yeah, thank you. So for, you, for uh, those um, listeners who don't know what House is, it's Basically, you can go online, you go on YouTube, um, and it's like almost like a Pinterest, but a place mm -hmm. for interior designers and enthusiasts and professionals to kind of collaborate and get some inspiration, yes. correct? Um, but you're, you guys are very, very validated on that website because it's all based on a community group of voters. Um, so how does that work in terms of the competition and the contest? Uh, so my understanding with House is uh, basically any design professional can post their work on the platform. It's basically like an open portfolio. 
And the awards go based on how many times someone clicks on and saves your image. So it's based Mm -hmm. on the amount of interactions with your photos. So there's a certain number. I don't remember what it is, but you have to reach over a certain amount of number. And then that'll be like the most favorite pictures that have been used. And then you'll get you know, recognition. recognition. For that. yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah so. your lookbooks are like fantastic. Oh, thank you. I just saved them myself too, so I'm one of those voters. Um, <laughs> um, how do you personally get inspiration? Oh, well, before COVID, I would say any designer you ask, we all love to travel. I think travel is, uh, I think anybody, <laughs> regardless of what the profession is, there's something about traveling that's just like, I don't know, I'd come back and I never want to come home. <laughs> but you, everything's just so different. And I think just seeing things in a new set of eyes. But besides that, I would say even just, I don't know, any meeting new people. I like to read. I like to, you know, talk to other people, get other people's, you know, opinions and, and, and hear what they think about things. And it just makes you think a different way, taking a different drive to work yeah. instead of always driving the oh, same that's street. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I would say there's a lot of really good things on the web too. If mm-hmm. you love, you know, any type of creative field, uh, I would highly recommend you look at a site called Behance. Okay. And it's, again, an open portfolio kind of website. And it has everything from photography, fashion, uh, graphics, interior design, architecture, people that do visual renderings. It's amazing. And you can see someone from halfway around the world what they're doing and it's really cool. Wow. What is the most like fun project you've ever you've ever done where it was out of the box and a developer was like or a client was like just go for it. I'm going to let you have your have your like say on on this. I wish they ever said just go for it. <laughs> and the budget is limitless. No, not that. Please <laughs> give me those clients. Um I would say Akimbo was a really fun project because took a little bit of a different approach and the graphics team had never worked on um, multifamily before. They were more into uh, commercial design or Mm -hmm. or retail. So they came with a really fresh perspective and I feel like it was a lot of times the projects are when a team really comes together really well and we kind of all bounce off each other. And so this was supposed to be more of a mid-level to higher level project. And so the common areas that we designed to me, we're supposed to be like super sexy, kind of dramatic. It was the young urban professional. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's obviously different than a family. So we really wanted to showcase that. And we had a huge PC. And so we thought, why not kind of emulate the building and the lobby? And instead of you walking in the front door and right away being hit with, you know, graphics and a hard sell, let's just really make this an experience. And so I feel like in that one, it was really fun because we really stripped back all of the graphics and they were all had a fashion edge based on the name. So the whole project was just a lot of fun and, and mm-hmm. unusual. So, I, act- I I absolutely felt that when I walked oh, through. Cool. I was, it was like walking in, I was like, is this a warehouse? Is this like... What is, where am I going? Yeah, this is this like a rave? Do I put on some headphones and start dancing? I don't know. <laughs> so oh, definitely good. capture that oh, that good. emotional touch yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, what's another project that's that was like challenging though? I would say really challenging is a lot of times when you have a really small budget because you have to be extra creative to kind of figure out how to do it. Small spaces can be very challenging, Mm -hmm. Um, so coming up with ways to do that. Every project has its challenges to a degree. I would say I worked on um, a hostel that was quite challenging in a sense because it was partial prefab. 
So the way we had to think about designing it was a little different. So mm -hmm. that was interesting as well. Mm -hmm. So, Do you ever work on renovation jobs? We do. I would say we don't do a lot of private residential. Most of our private residential clients come as a referral from one of our existing clients. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting in this industry. We tend to get very good at specific niches. So you find people that do private residential are phenomenal at it, and that's pretty much mostly what they do. Yeah. Or you find people that are really good at um, healthcare or offices or retail. And so we all kind of find a bit of our niche. We do do some and we all have done private residential. My one partner, Brenda, that you know, she actually loves doing the private residential work. Mm -hmm. And Colpreet really likes doing um, offices as well. And then I really enjoy some of the hospitality. So it's, it's kind of interesting. So it's nice to throw in the odd project in the mix. But still, mm -hmm. I would say most of us would say, we really enjoy working with the developers. Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of animal and it's kind of fun in a way because you have a little bit more creativity and freedom with a developer than you do with a private residential mm -hmm. client because it's not a personal attachment. It's a business transaction. So they're able to think of it more like, will this sell or won't it sell? Whereas if it's a private residential client, right. it's like... Hmm, can I live with that tile in three years from yeah, now, right? Yeah, so it's a yeah. different different way of, yeah. yeah. So you, how do you source out all the materials and colors for the developer? Do they kind of stick to, I'm always seeing white and then a maple <laughs> or a, at one point there was uh, cocoa or mm -hmm. some sort of chocolate color. Yeah. And then the opposite was like white. So seems like when there's one developer kind of, have stick to this one color it seems like every other developer also sticks to the same color too they definitely no one likes to be the one to take the leap and try something new I'll agree with you on that it, you get so excited when you get a developer that's like yeah let's just go for it yeah but a lot of times I find it's also it's this uncertainty of will it sell and so mm -hmm. you know it is they're all doing it not not just for fun but to make money so they want to make sure what they what they're doing is gonna actually sell but you're right. You'll see over the years there was maple. Slate was a big thing. Uh, we had really dark floors for a while. Then we had a lot of uh, gray floors for a while. Then, you know, we've had a lot of white oak. Mm -hmm. It So it does kind of, you can kind of see what decade you were in when you look back Absolutely. at some of the base building finishes for sure. What What's the trend for 2021? I think there's a couple trends going on. Um, personally, my office, we are really inspired by a lot of the more Nordic, Scandinavian uh, flavors. So uh, I think we're still seeing lighter floors and lighter finishes. I think the really dark heavy is gone for a while. Mm -hmm. I do think the gray is sort of subduing a little bit. I think you're finding it warming up a little bit. I, I'm not saying I'm loving it, but I'm seeing more browns coming back as well. Yeah. Um, what about the the green velvet and the copper? I'm, I'm finding it, I kind of, in Earl's yeah. restaurant, it kind of started that. And then yeah. now I'm all of a sudden seeing it in faucets and lighting accessories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that's going to be staying? I don't think it'll stay, but I think it's something that's current right now. You're seeing, yes, a lot of like, whether it's um, brushed gold, whether it's the copper, Black is huge. Black, I think you're going to see for quite a while. I don't mm -hmm. think that's going anywhere. Um, it took a long time to come to North America, and now everybody's embracing it. So I think that's got a few years to ride out. But um, I think the other metallics are very project-specific. I have a project right now which is doing it, and they're doing 
gold faucets and they're doing gold hardware on the cabinetry. And that was client and marketing derived as well. Mm-hmm. So it will stand out because it's not as common, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's a personal it's like, decision, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if someone was doing like a renovation job or, or customizing their home, where should they spend the most money in their home so that they can get the biggest return? If they're going to do renovations, kitchen, number one, Mm -hmm. number one. And it depends. If you're staying for 10 or 20 years, then do whatever you like and make it your home because your home should be like your castle or your your place of, you know, recluse. If you're looking at it like I'm only going to stay here a couple years and then I think I might want to sell, just think about, you know, being maybe a little bit safer, you know. A blue kitchen might not appeal to everyone. White's pretty safe. Is it the most... Dramatic, no, but if you have an old kitchen and you're putting in a clean, white, fresh one and just livening up the space and freshening it up, it can do wonders. I I would say definitely kitchens are number one, bathrooms are number two, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. en suites, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you say the same thing? From <laughs> I always, uh, whenever a client asks me where they should spend the money, I always say the kitchen. Yeah. Kitchen and bathrooms yeah. primarily. Yeah. And then I would say painting, obviously, because yes. the return is 150% yeah. or more. Yeah. And flooring. Yes. Yeah. Flooring for sure, as long as it's all cohesive. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing is the less uh, finishes you introduce, the more cohesive your space is going to feel. If you have a, you know, four different floorings and four different transitions, it can get to be a bit choppy. Right. So if you were, say, living in a two-level townhouse, if you were going to replace your floor, do the whole townhouse. Don't do one level. Right. So don't do carpet in the room. Or don't leave the old floor downstairs in the basement, which was an old laminate, and put a new one upstairs, right? Like you got to run it all the way through. Yeah. I'm seeing so many different types of floorings now. So Mm -hmm. there's like uh, a, a tile that looks like... Uh, wood, mm-hmm. like faux wood. Yeah. Um, there's bamboo. There's like what's what's kind of the the biggest trend right now? Um, there's a couple trends right now. I would say what you're really seeing and something that's going to, I think, really become more and more common in our work, multifamily, is vinyl flooring. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing that huge. We're using it a lot in rental. It's come a long way. Laminate's not going anywhere, and the laminate is getting better and better at you know, emulating wood, depending on the brown you use. I mean, I'll always still want to use the hardwood if we can, mm-hmm. but it, it, it obviously is price-driven mm-hmm. based on the market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but herringbone's a big one too. Okay. Um, everyone's loving the herringbone. It's just a cost prohibitive. So herringbone is the style of the flooring. It's the it's the pattern you lay on the floor. So there's chevron and there's, and there's you know, like in the 60s we had the parquet, Right. So those are all kind of making a resurgence right now, too. And if you look at anything from Europe, they all use the herringbone. And it it is beautiful. So we have one project that's doing the herringbone right now. So we'll see how it Does the the installer also matter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? The product doesn't cost really that much more. It might cost 10 or 20% more. It's your installation, the amount of time to lay it when you are doing a herringbone pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you finding the quality of trades that are graduating from school and Mm -hmm. apprenticeship? Do you find that they're improving on their skill sets or are they more learning on the job? How's the quality of workmanship? Um, that I would say, I would really have to talk to some of the site supers and, and get their opinion. Um, I do think, you know, there are variances between, um, builders and, and sites for sure. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I guess the biggest thing I would say is look beyond the price. You know, the lowest price isn't always the best price, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So sometimes you, you, you need to pay a little bit more, but you'll get it done really well and get it done right the first time. Actually, I have a question because this comes up often when my clients are getting quotes. And mm-hmm. generally, there's there's different types of estimating jobs. Mm-hmm. One contractor would have a base price and then they would add a percentage for their project management yeah. uh, versus another one may cost a little bit more, but it's actually um, standard. So it's mm-hmm. like a set price. This is what you get. Mm-hmm. And then anything additional will be extra charged. Yeah. So which format, which uh, structure should someone be selecting? Yeah, it's, you know, it. this is a tough one. You have to do your research and really understand your contract. And this even happens in the multifamily because sometimes, you know, someone will be awarded a kitchen contract to do all the kitchens in 100 units. And they have given the developer a price. And then I come to realize the price is not inclusive of what's in my drawings were 10, mm. you know, actually they should have read the drawings and bid on it, but they've just given a generic number. So now we have to work backwards and figure out how to value engineer that kitchen. So it fits in that price they've agreed on. Mm-hmm. So with homeowners, um, if you don't have a designer already and you haven't got specs and you just get a price, be careful because if you just say, I want new appliance, this and that, do you know, are they giving you GE appliances or are they giving you sub-zero? We had this issue with a private residence we were doing. The contractor gave her a price and she ended up being way over because he didn't ask her enough questions about the level of what she wanted in the reno and she didn't know enough to say, I want sub-zero. And so this happens quite a bit. So I think really do your research and your diligence. Yeah. 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 And make sure they've got good reviews or the best I would say is a referral. If you know anyone that's had a reno and can refer someone that had a a positive experience, I would definitely go down that road. Yeah. Is it, is it pretty competitive in your industry in terms of putting bids in and estimating jobs? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I would say, I don't know what the, we've never really calculated it, but I would say probably we get 30% of the jobs maybe that we put a proposal out for. Okay. Yeah. It's a very competitive business. You know, there's a handful of designers that do great work in the city and you're usually up against a lot of the same designers all the time. So once you get to work with a developer once, Mm -hmm. usually if you can do a good job for them and it sells well and you meet the timeline and you help stay within their budget, you often will get repeat business with them. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun because then you really get to know the dynamics of that team and how they work and what their expectations are. So each project just goes even smoother and better and better. So it's really fun. So, But it's also really hard to get your foot in the door with a developer you've never worked with because a lot of times they have a really great relationship with another firm. Right, right. So So the capacity of your workload, how many projects do you work on at a time? Mm, good question. Right now I have maybe about seven that I'm working on. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So I guess they're on different stages too. Uh, sort of. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I find that's, I find that in sales. Yeah. 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 It kind of goes in spurts sometimes all of a sudden everybody wants to launch and everybody wants to start designing so that yeah. they can get their drawings in. And yeah, it's, um, but no, it's been, um, pretty good. We were a little worried with the pandemic, but this, um, business just kept going you Mm -hmm. know it's funny 
real estate in Vancouver does really well. It just doesn't seem to ever stop. Mm -hmm. How no, have that's, you found it? Oh yeah, we're thriving. Yeah, I, it's amazing how we've been not affected um, on a global scale of of what's happening out there. Real real estate in Vancouver seems to just be untouched. Yeah, it's um, interesting. It is it? super yeah. interesting and and. Um, it's amazing how people will just uh, put money down right away without seeing without anything. <laughs> hesitation without seeing anything. I do. I've been doing sales overseas, yeah. um, and it's all hype. It's all about putting your money where it's safe. I think a lot of people are. We're, Vancouver is getting a huge recognition for being a very healthy and safe city to live in. So yeah. we're, we're getting that type of recognition. Yeah. And how are you finding it with sales centers with the whole situation now? Uh, a couple, we were planning on finding space and leasing space for a storefront, mm -hmm. but a couple of developers have held back because, you know, we can't invite people to the sales center anyway. Yeah. So we've shifted that conversation into boardroom style. Yeah. Uh, may not have the same experience, but it saves them a whole lot of money because look at we're seven months, eight months down the road now and we still don't know what's going to happen yeah yeah no that's interesting because i've heard that from a few developers too that mm. they are taking the boardroom approach now they're just doing nice marketing boards it's more informal it's mm -hmm. yeah a lot of renderings yeah. a lot of virtual yeah. tours yeah um a lot of who do you know and can you rely yeah. on on the word of mouth um, yeah and the referrals from the agents yeah so that's what we're we're just yeah Good working away on that yeah that's awesome but every project's different every developer's uh aggressiveness and assertiveness in the market is very different. Very so, true. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you finding, are you finding your, your clients are still kind of moving forward and. Yeah. So far it's been, it's been good. I have a couple projects that are going to be launching this month or next month, which is really unusual. 10 years ago, I never heard of a project launching in November or December. No. And the last few years have just been so interesting. I think it's like stop being seasonal now. It's just how soon can you put it out? No, we're still moving ahead with projects, um, which is really great. So everything I'm hearing so far is people are still interested. And I mean, maybe moving at a bit slower pace in some cases, but yeah, we haven't really had anything put on hold. Good. Um, some of our listeners are students mm -hmm. and what kind of steps do they need to take to enter into this market. So do you have any recommendations on colleges or universities, mm -hmm. programs that are available to the students? Sure. I would say probably the two best programs in BC are either Kotlin or BCIT, and they're both phenomenal. They both take a little bit different approach. One has more of a technical skill set, and the other one definitely pushes more of the conceptual but they're both phenomenal programs. Um, I know they're getting harder and harder to get into. Um, I believe they only take about 20 full-time students a year. You have to usually panel and put a portfolio together. Be prepared to do a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it's a lot of fun. But nowadays, I would say, you know, the expectation is getting that you have to have minimum two years. M more and more people are doing the four-year and then um, going on to become RIDs. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. What's one trend that you see happening in homes now, now that like everybody's kind of shifted the workplace 
at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you finding that people are kind of living differently or yeah, what's, what's the shift in your. Definitely. I think even though it hasn't necessarily all affected us because we don't do a lot of private residential, I do hear of lots of family and friends. I go to obviously shop a lot for projects. Um, I had one store during the pandemic that was open when we were in lockdown and it was hard to get through to him. And he says, oh my God, I've never been so busy in my life. I'm like 150% up this month alone over last year. So I think because everyone's staying home more, they're mm-hmm. not going out to socialize as much. They're socializing in their home. I see probably the same things you see, wanting more space, wanting outdoor space, wanting a home office. And people really, whether it's a full-on renovation or whether it's just refreshing their home with a new paint color or new furniture, people are definitely investing in their homes right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 because they're spending more time there. Yeah. What would you say, what's one element that is vital to have in their home to make it feel like a home home, you know, mm. to make it feel super comfortable? Well, personality, I think at the end of the day, we always kind of pre- create more of a blank or neutral canvas. And the reason for that is it allows the homeowner to come in and basically personalize it, you know. So maybe you love really bright colors, whether that's a hot, you know, single piece of furniture that's a bright color, whether that's an area rug, your art. But I think whatever it is, for me, I love books and plants. So I think candles, like everybody has their own thing. And I would say invest in the one space where you spend the most amount of time. For some people, that's the kitchen dining For some people, that might be your living room. Mm -hmm. So yeah, wherever you kind of focus and spend most of your time, really invest in that piece and you'll get a lot of, you know, use and enjoyment out of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The shopping part, I find probably the most time consuming though, Mm -hmm. is is like finding the little knickknacks from one store to the other. Do you have any favorite stores in the lower mainland? There's some good stores here. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what you're looking for, but I would say... If you're a little more budget conscious but want better than Ikea, EQ3 is a great store. Okay. It's on Granville Street. Okay. Granville and Broadway. Obviously, CB2, West Elm, and Crate and Barrel are all big box, but they offer some great solutions. Mm -hmm. I would say Vancouver Special is one of my favorite stores. They carry a lot of European designers like Hay and Mudo and some really great Alessi lines, so Mm -hmm. a little bit more modern. And then if you have a bigger budget... Uh, Spencer Interiors, Living Space, and Inform are great stores. Awesome. We'll yeah. give these uh, guys a shout out in yeah. our um, <laughs> in our notes. <laughs> so I um, want to ask you 10 rapid fire questions. Do you have time for that? Sure. Awesome. Well, thanks guys for joining. We're here with Lisa Hansen of Area 3 Design. I'm going to ask her 10 rapid fire questions. So number one. Describe the most challenging project you've ever worked on. The most challenging? That's a tough one. It could one. be a challenging client. <laughs> I've had challenges. <laughs> <laughs> we'll beep out the names. <laughs> uh, that one's a little bit more probably realistic, yeah. <laughs> um I think challenging clients, I would say the biggest thing is people's um, misconception of what things cost. That's a tough one. A lot of times they think they can get things for like, I'm like, what planet do you live on? (laughs) (laughs) So I would say that's probably the bigger challenge is really educating clients about time and budget. Okay. So I don't know. I 
remember when I hired an interior designer just to like go shopping with me, mm -hmm. that alone was about $240 an hour. Does that wow. sound about right? That's that? she, she's a good got a good rate then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I pay overpaid. No, she no, was no, really good. No, it depends. Like yeah. it, it's gonna it's totally gonna change based on where you go, right? That included yeah. like drawings and oh, going to okay. do the shopping yes. for me because okay. I didn't want to go pick yeah. up anything yeah. and her gas yeah. and everything. Yeah. Like yeah. No, that's I it's fair. Yeah. It is. It's like I think and that's the thing a lot of times uh, people think, oh, I want a set a new sofa. And they think it takes us five minutes to pull it out of our hat, you know, and that it's available next week. No, no. no. I think <laughs> I bought my couch back in uh, June and I still am waiting for it because it's coming from Australia. Oh, oh, yeah. that you're probably finding that a lot too right now. Right now, everything is delayed. Right. It, and I find because most products either come from either a lot of it locally for my budgets with uh, display homes that U.S. or China mm -hmm. and everything's experiencing delays. I've had things take 14 weeks now, which would normally take, you know, four or six weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very slow right now. And stores are working with less staff and less hours. So and less yeah. inventory because yeah. they want to bulk up all that yeah. the shipment. Yeah. Okay. Number two, what's your latest obsession? So anything fashion, interior design, patterns, music, mm. colors. Oh, um, again, I would say anything sort of Nordic. Um, yeah, I love like there's a lot of great Danish designers. There's a lot of anything. I go to Behance and look at look at that line. Um, go look at the lines Vancouver Special sells. Um, IKEA did about three or four years ago a really great collaboration with Hay Furniture, which is also another great Danish line, and it sold out like almost right away. And then they didn't even make enough. It was like oh. so it was really fun. I love seeing that collaboration of big box like that trying to bring in and give more modern design to, you know, the everyday kind of homeowner. So yeah. yeah, I'd love to see more of that. That was really fun. Yeah, that sounds like a fun event. Where do you find inspiration for new design? Mm. A lot of magazines, a lot of books, um, a couple of those websites I mentioned, uh, travel. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm going to add another question. What's your mm -hmm. favorite country to visit? So far, my favorite one that I've been to is probably Italy and Japan. That'd be a oh, toss up. Right. But um, yeah, I honestly, I could go somewhere different every every month of the budget allowed. But definitely I try and go and do like one good vacation every year and see something different. Yeah. Well, there's so many great places out there. They all offer something different. Do you end up going to shows or? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Just for work? Love it. I've been to some really great shows. I had the opportunity about 10 years ago to go to um, a flooring show in um, Italy. And it was mind blowing. As a designer, my friend and I were walking around. We were taking pictures of the booths, the walls. They spend on average about the equivalent of a million dollars US per booth. So imagine what they do. Like they had all backlit wall panels, floors that were lit up, reception desks that cost, you know, I don't know. They all had lounges, champagne bars. It was it was amazing. Best experience I ever had. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing event. Yeah. That sounds great. How come they don't do that same type of I don't know. You're, spending here? North America is yeah, is really slow to kind of elevate it to that level. We do have show a lot of shows in the US. I've been to a lot of them. They're still great, but once you see a show in Europe, there's nothing like it. They had a private helicopter that was flying us from one place to basically one of the tile factories that was like an old castle and had um, 
um, their own restaurant inside. Like just experiences wow, you wouldn't have yeah. here. So cool. I mean, Vancouver's doing really good, I would say, in the last few years with our IDS. Sad this year, really, it's mm-hmm. all been more digital, digital virtual. Yeah. But I mean, that's become been um, growing every year and becoming like a really great event every year. So mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully yeah it it's still on right till October 8th. It is. Yeah. There's still some small showrooms that are having, you know, very small quantity people in at a time and there's some exhibits and stuff. It's just it's not, not the, the same, same. <laughs> no, especially I like picking up all the swags. Oh, <laughs> and it's the social aspect. And now, you know, you yeah. got to go and you got to wear your mask and stands like, like yeah. it's our industry is very social. And, and there's that, that wine so event. Right? Oh, isn't that fun? That's so fun. That's the best. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so many after parties. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Oh. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite material color to work with and why? Oh, anybody who knows me will say boring, but white. I love oh, white. Okay. I'll always use a lot of white. Is there like pure white, snow white? Like, is there a name to that? Uh, I used and to love one by Parapaints and Parapaints is gone now. But um, yeah, I use a few. There's a pure white by Sherwin Williams. There's one called Decorator's White by Benjamin Moore. They're both really Ooh, great. I've used that one before. Yeah. It's just a really good, clean, classic white. And then you can put anything with it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, what architectural style speaks most to you? Nordic, Scandinavian? Yeah, very modern, I would say. You know, if I had my way, I don't get to do a lot of it, but I could live in an art gallery. Give me a concrete box with all glazing and I'd be in heaven. That would be my yeah, dream. Your but, portfolio, your bio on your website mm-hmm. um, says you're, you gravitate to like minimalism. Yes, very much so. Yeah, so does that, you, do you find, because I'm, I'm studying all of that, especially mm-hmm. with um, the relationship to joy mm-hmm. do you feel like less is better and, and yes. just brings way more decluttering in your life yeah i i read this thing once and it's always stuck with me and it was like you know a cluttered space is like a cluttered mind mm-hmm. and i do i feel like if i go home and my house is clean and organized and things are put away and if i'm not using it, it's out of sight i feel relaxed if i go home and my house is a mess like i feel like yeah, I can unwind. Chaotic. So yeah, I do think there's some truth to it for sure. And I think, you know, I live in Vancouver, so I live in a small space. So I don't have the opportunity to hoard and, and save things. So typically if I don't use it and appreciate it, I don't keep it. So, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of the same way, but it takes me a little bit of time to get rid yeah. of it. I find if I don't have space for it, then that's yeah. when I start selling things on Facebook or, or, yeah. or giving away or something yeah. like that or donating it. Yeah, it's hard too if someone's given it to you. Like people get so you know attached, attached to it. To it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you could have the opportunity to work with someone from any period, who would it be? Hmm. Um. That's a tough one. There's a couple. I would say I would love to have talked to or worked with Mies van der Rohe. I had the pleasure of going to his pavilion in Barcelona and seeing it, and I was just. After studying it in school and seeing it, he was so ahead of his time. Like that's still as modern today as it was the day he made it and signed it. So yeah, I'd probably say that's who I would pick. Um, What's your favorite pieces in your home? Mm, I have um, just a a print of one of Picasso's uh, posters. But it was because it was uh, an art gallery I worked at. It was the very first piece they let me frame and map myself. And so I bought it just because. And I didn't even have an attachment to that image. But, it, you know, since then, I do actually really like a lot of Picasso's work as well. So 
um, I have it and it's, you know, probably way too old, but it's just sentimental, right? Yeah. Is it yeah. still up on your wall? It's still up. Um, uh, it's on a propped on a shelf. And then I have sort of a um, gallery wall and it's all my travel. Every time I travel, I try and find a picture or a postcard or something, so, you know, a napkin, something that means something to me. And I have a pretty big size wall with about 30 pieces and I change it. Oh, so okay. it's really fun. So I get to just kind of relive my vacation sometimes <laughs> when I can't go anywhere. Just <laughs> Um, what advice would you give someone just starting out in interior design? Don't give up. It's, you know, it's not the easiest mm. industry to get into. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I went to school, I know of two other people that, you know, I graduated with that are working in the industry. And you hear this over and over again. And a lot of people apply a few times and then they don't get a job and they just give up. So. Don't give up. If you really love it and you're passionate about it, it's an awesome field to be in. You know, it's. I'm excited to get up every day and go to work. I'm so grateful I get to do something I enjoy. Yeah. So stick with it. Okay. Yeah. Good advice. What's one thing you have not achieved professionally that you want to be able to check off? I would love to work on something international. We're kind of trying right now. We'll see if it goes. So, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I've, we've done a lot of work across. Canada. I used to have a U.S. work visa and we did some work for display suites in the States before, but I'd love to do something internationally. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah. That would be fun and you could write it off too. <laughs> That's the <laughs> first thing a realtor to, thinks about. And, and get to go there, right? <laughs> Site visits. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun once you can start traveling. So I yes, hope that happens yes, for you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what have you learned about running an interior design business that you did not know when you started? that we didn't know anything when we started. <laughs> <laughs> Fake it till you make it type of thing? No, you know, <laughs> you, you, because we took that course and we wrote a business plan and, you know, we had spent so long and we thought we knew everything and it's great. And it's like, you know, I can remember and I have to apologize to my previous boss. You know, they would go in the office and shut the door for a couple hours and we just think, what the heck can they be talking about all this time? Like, what is there to talk about? <laughs> after you start your own business, you realize it's like, oh, yeah, there's accounting, there's HR, there's proposals, there's business development, there's like social. And I'm like, but, you know, when you're an employee, you just focus on your work and you're kind of oblivious. And then all of a sudden, yeah. when you have your own business, you realize, well, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. What's yeah. the least fun part of owning the interdesign company? Is it? The accounting part or the I would say for me it's the accounting part yeah. for sure yeah yeah it's uh thank god we have a full-time accountant but uh, when we first started out I was nominated to be the accountant or oh, <laughs> don't want to go back to that ever again <laughs> just stick to what you know <laughs> yeah she can have her job <laughs> yeah and last question where can they find you in area three design oh well they can find us on our website which is area3.ca um, we're also on Facebook, we're on House, as you mentioned, uh, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Awesome. But I would say, yeah, Instagram's a great platform. We really enjoy that. Yeah, you guys are phenomenal to work with. You have amazing you. talent, and the philosophy behind the team is is amazing, and, some, and definitely you guys are role models to all the newbies that are coming into the business. So no, we thank, thank you so much for your work, and... And I look forward to working uh, on more projects with you guys. Yeah, I hope I get to work on it with you next time, too. <laughs> yeah, It'd be awesome. Sure. Thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you.
We hope this has been helpful. Our intention is to unite the industry's most powerful, top-performing women, empower women with aspiring stories, and provide you with tools and actionable strategies so you can apply it to your personal and professional life. So what we'd love you to do is connect with us on Instagram at In The House Podcast. If you've listened to this episode, take a screenshot of it and share and tag us on your feed. Let us know your thoughts. Give us some feedback. We want to connect with you and hear about your journey. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Don't forget to hit subscribe, write a review, and share our profile with your friends and peers. Until next time. Bye.